1: Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co host, as always, is AJ Schultz, who's a great follow at AJ Schultz24, back in the co host chair, but with a slightly different location. I heard AJ last week was a hectic relocation week for the Schultz family. How did that go, buddy, and where are you now?
0: Yeah, so not a big move. Uh, we moved out to to one of the suburbs of of Madison, Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. Um, some people might recognize that. Uh, there's a, a Devils defenseman. Uh, if you're if you're a fan of theirs, Will Butcher is a native of Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. So uh, it's it's just outside Madison. So not a big move. We just finished up pretty much everything. Uh, yesterday um, now it's on to unpacking so we we got all the stuff out of house one into house two and now we got to unload into the new house so a lot of work left to do Uh, fortunately I'm here talking to you instead. (laughs) (laughs) So we can go for a
1: long, long show today and Jess gets (laughs) to work very hard while we're recording. I got the message. Very good, AJ. Uh, Before we get too deep into this show, I was talking to you off air. There was a death in the hockey world that uh, hit close to home for me. Uh, John Muckler, a longtime assistant coach with the Edmonton Oilers dynasty and then subsequently uh, head coach with the Buffalo Sabres, passed away last night at the age of 86, a good long life for uh, a great hockey man. And our paths crossed way back in 1992 when I was just getting started in the sports space. And he was instrumental to giving me a very big break, AJ, when I approached the NHL in Toronto and Buffalo about a project that I wanted to undertake to increase the breadth breadth of hockey stats that were covered in the NHL back then. And uh, it evolved into the NHL's real-time scoring system which is now the basis for all the stats tracking that every league in the world does that includes hits face-offs one giveaways and takeaways and all that sort of stuff that came from me and a group of three other guys back in 1992 but the stats p- component of this whole enterprise was my baby and uh, john helped me nurture that so uh, his passing uh, affords me the opportunity to say this i owe a lot to that man and i dedicate today's show to one john muckler a hockey great and i'm key guy in my life so uh with that we'll go on and uh our plan today is to walk through the central division of the national hockey league take you through the rosters moves uh, of the offseason but before we go there aj uh, it's time for you to give our uh
0: nod to bet mgm yeah absolutely paul uh, sports bettors know that magic happens when you turn a hunch into action and apply the right amount of expertise that's why bet mgm has teamed up with rotowire to offer new BetMGM customers a free 6-month subscription when they place their first bet, register on the BetMGM app or website and use the promo code ROTO that's R O T O to claim your free subscription. Once you make your first sports wager, you'll receive a season's length of Rotowire's unmatched sports insight. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sports books by signing up and placing your first bet today. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, Tennessee, and West Virginia only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada and 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. AJ, you keep up reading
1: like that, you're going to be a famous uh, on-air guy on TV reading (laughs) promos and ads all over the country. Uh, That was great. Uh, Before we go into the Central Division, I'm rocking Team Canada's colors, and I'm disappointed that you're not rocking the U.S. colors. you got the home home team that you cherish, the Pittsburgh Penguins, adorned once again. I wonder how many of those shirts you've got, by the way. We'll probably (laughs) cycle through all of them during the course of the season, but it's Canada USA at the World Juniors. I understand from your corner of the world that it doesn't really resonate as much, but uh, the country uh, is focused here on on this one here north of the border, and uh, Team Canada has rolled through the opposition uh, throughout this event, and oddly enough, 19 first-rounders adopt the Canadian roster, but it's a goalie who was a seventh-round pick, Devin Levy, who is uh, stealing most of the accolades. He's on the verge of setting some historic marks in this tournament. Uh, Any impressions from you uh, ahead of this matchup?
0: Well, I mean, I'll just talk about, you know, I I can't speak to everybody. Some of our listeners maybe uh, tune in. But the, the big thing I think down here is that the games are only available on NHL Network. Not everybody has. NHL network. Um, I actually don't currently with our with our TV setup. I don't have access to NHL network. So it makes it hard to, to get into the games. Um, obviously, with me moving and all that, you know, maybe that's a factor, too. So uh, if you're a, a U.S. listener and you have been diving in, uh, hit us up on social media and, and refute my my claims that they're just not as popular, that the World Juniors just aren't as popular down here in the U.S. That's my take. Um, but feel free to, you know, at me, at two 24 or at Statsman22 and let us know how much you've been enjoying it. As far as the sweater goes, Paul, this is the old school, old school Penguins, the number 66 jersey here. So I uh, went a little bit old school today on on the colors. Very nice. You look r- totally resplendent
1: as usual uh, in, the, in the Penguins colors and we're a week away from the serious shooting, pal but uh, we got one more preview to do next week when we finally get to the Pittsburgh Penguins I swear I don't do this to you on purpose delaying <laughs> uh, talk about the Pens uh, deep into our prep for the season every year it seems for one reason or another but uh, so it goes, my friend we're going to go into the Central Division now beginning with the Carolina Hurricanes folks, the new faces in, in uh, Hurricane Country are Jesper Fast, a right winger who will uh, challenge for top six minutes. Joaquim Ryan looking for a depth role on defense, and Drew Shore, an insurance policy at the center ice position. AJ, they have an interesting mix in the Nets. Why don't you tell us about that and uh, we'll go on from there?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Peter Morazik uh, probably projects as as the, the bulk of the workload here, with James Reimer getting a little bit of, a, of the um, starts as well. But don't sleep on Alex neto Now, I don't think he's going to be like a 60-game. Well, obviously not. There's only 56 games. But I don't think he's going to be a 60% guy for them. But he could get a couple opportunities here from back-to-backs. With the taxi squad situation and him being around the team and not having to do the call-up, I wouldn't be surprised if they give neto a, a few games here or there to kind of see what they have in him. You know, Mrazek and Reimer are not long-term solutions there. So I think Mrazek probably about 55% of the starts, Reimer forty five, you know, forty percent maybe, and then five percent going to Nado Djokovic. At least that's how I would do it if I was running the team
1: (laughs) yeah the youngster Nedeljkovic is a guy that we're going to keep our eyes on probably a real good idea to get him in your dynasty leagues Uh, look if you're looking for a depth option who could rise to the ranks fairly quickly he's behind two veteran guys who aren't considered among the top 10 goalies in the NHL by a long shot and they'll probably split the role uh, as you implied during the regular season of course I have some some, a soft spot for James Reimer because he spent some time in Toronto and actually ranks among their top 10 goalies in the club history in some categories. So I got a lot of time to talk about him, a real nice guy in the community as well. But uh, the games were played on the ice, and uh, Morazic has probably a little bit a better skill set than Reimer. So I might say it's 55-45 in terms of percentage of game starts that I see here in favor of Morazic in that mix. On the blue line, they have a very nice core on the on the defense there. Uh, nice enough to keep Jake Gardner as a third-line defenseman. Long-time listeners of our show will will remember that I've panned him sometimes mercilessly when he was in Toronto. He was kind of a whipping boy in the, in the media here. And, uh, you know, uh, the guy has all the tools to be a top four defenseman in this league. But really, uh, I think you've got to think the game better than he does sometimes. And that's cost him in terms of the hierarchy here. I had ranking ahead of him. Jacob Slavin and Dougie Hamilton form an exceptional top pairing I think one of the top ones in this division Dougie Hamilton will rank among the top 10 scoring defensemen uh, as he has in the last couple of seasons and He's a threat to be one of the top goal-scoring defensemen in the league, too. If goals are more important from the blue liners in your pools, he's a guy I would focus on. But Slavin is no slouch either. I think you can consider him an offensive contributor as well as a sound defensive defenseman. Uh, They have another option on the second uh, line, and that's Brady Shea. I think he could be the guy that is the power play quarterback for the second power play. Brett Pesci emerging as one of the best defensive defenseman in the league so I think I like the matchups that they have in the top two pairs Hayden Fleury rounds out the top six with Gardner Joaquin Ryan and Jake Bean are, are prospects that are pushing for more ice time Bean is a guy that I think can move up in class here uh, more than Joaquim Ryan at the moment so that's the way I see things here unfolding here AJ with this eight pack on the blue line
0: Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said there, Paul. I'm I'm surprised you were able to even get Gardner's name out of your mouth without like choking. Um, I I know that's tough for you. But yeah, Jake Bean is I think he'll really challenge uh, Hayden Fleury there for for that spot. You look at his numbers in the AHL uh, last two seasons. He's hit the 40 uh, point mark in each of those two years, including 48 points in just 59 games for the checkers last season. So he's a guy that I really think could step into uh, a more prominent role with them this season. And, and he's going to give Hayden Fleury, I think some fits in terms of, uh, of a roster spot there for the forwards. Uh, you know, the top line is going to be what we're used to seeing there. Uh, Nino Niederreiter, Sebastian Ajo and Tivo Teravainen. one of the best top lines in the league. Uh, Niederreiter, you know, has had some, some struggles in the past. He has kind of a, a hot, cold, Most of his cold came while with Minnesota, but last year uh, obviously wasn't as good as, as you would want. Now there's games played factor there as well, but just 29 points last season, they're going to be hoping he can get back up, um, you know, closer to 35. I would expect is, is what they're hoping out of him. He'll probably face challenges from uh, uh, Andrei Sveshnikov for the, for the top spot. Now, I think if they don't want to spread out the the lines a little bit, if they need a goal, like if they're down 2-1 late in the third, I think Sveshnikov is a better fit for that top line in those scenarios. But I think in terms of, uh, you know, building out your lineup, he makes more sense on the second line with Vinny Trocek, who they'll get for a full season. Um, Obviously, they only had him for part of the year, uh, so they'll get him uh, for a full season. That'll be good for them. And then the aforementioned fast projects, as the second-line right winger. I, I don't really see anybody pushing him too much for that spot. Um, he should feel pretty comfortable there. You got a couple of youngsters in, in Warren Fogle and, and, and Martin Neckash playing with Jordan Stahl as the center on the third line. And then Ryan Zingle, Jordan Martin Hook, and maybe Morgan Geeky or Brock McGinn uh, on that fourth line. So there, there are some pieces I think that can move around a little bit in the bottom six. I think the only one of those guys that's maybe – completely locked into his bodies. Jordan Stahl will absolutely be the third-line center.
1: Yeah, the the offense here begins for me with Ajo and Terry Vainen, a really good dynamic duo. That's the tandem that I think is one of the best duos. I I won't go so far as saying the top line with Niederreiter on the left wing. I'd rather see Svechnikov there, as you implied. He was there for long stretches last season, but I think they're looking for more balance up front, and that is ably assisted by the Full season that they hope to get out of Vinnie Trocheck. I've considered this guy a long time really an ideal second line center AJ he's he's a guy who is good on the face off circle and a real good puck distributor that's what you want to extend the depth of your roster his strength down the middle and he affords them that luxury more than they have had in recent years it's been a bit of a black hole at center where a guy like a Jordan Stall, I don't want to rip him too much offensively but he's more known as a defensive specialist I think you'll even agree uh, having seen him uh, up close in, in Pittsburgh Penguins games for a couple of years uh, but he's established to rep is one of the top defensive centers so that uh, one through three mix down the middle is is pretty much ideal for what you want in terms of your mix uh, in the middle of the ice in in carolina rounding out the team you mentioned Jesper Fast on the right side again i think that's a fluid situation and martin netzcash approached the 20 goal ca- uh, uh, altitude in terms of scoring last year uh he he is a guy that I think sh- is more suited to a second line scoring role, and so I think that that is a situation that I would I would look to uh, see changes during the course of the season. If Jesper Fast doesn't hit the ice running, he's got all the skills. AJ, we know that, but he just hasn't been able to fill the stat sheet like you might expect or like to see for a guy with his skills and that's what has held him back rounding out the top nine Warren Fogle uh prototypical tough uh, physical player uh good size good hands though too and uh, good insurance policies. should injuries crop up you could plug him into one of the top two lines as well zingle for me is the head scratcher here relegated to fourth line status he's played top six minutes before aj and and things just didn't work out for him last year and i expected a move in the off season quite frankly it didn't happen so i think he's going to have to fight his way into more uh, playing time and uh but he does have the skill set to uh, to merit that opportunity should he deliver some scoring. I think he's another guy that could threaten a top six role. So they have options even up to the fourth line that can be contributors here going forward. In terms of the next club, AJ, we're going to look at the Chicago Blackhawks, of course, off the top. Uh, tough news for the team without their uh, leader, Jonathan Taves, uh, in the early going. He's got a mysterious uh, illness that I don't really, I haven't heard really too much in terms of detail, but it could heat him out for a significant chunk of this season uh, is what I'm hearing. And that's a terrible blow for this team because they're led by Captain Sirius. There's no question about that at all. In terms of other changes that we can see uh, to this team, Matthias Janmark uh, is a left wing option. Nikita Zdorov on defense comes to the team uh, for his first look see in a Hawks uniform. Lucas Wallmark, depth guy at center. Carl Soderberg so looks look to be a, a cinch to be a key contributor on this team, particularly with Tave's injury. Brandon Peary at right wing, he's there for his second go-around in Chicago. And Anton Lindholm, a prospect uh, that looks to threaten the depth portion of the Hawks' defense. Before we go there, though, uh, again, run us through the goalies, please.
0: This one's an interesting one. I, I, I have a hard time projecting uh, you know a percentage here. You've got Malcolm Subban, Colin D'Elia, and uh, Ke- even Kevin Lacanen. Like I think any one of these guys could maybe take the job during training camp. Um, this is one of the situations where I really wish we had some preseason games to watch here. Um, you know, I think D'Elia is probably the best option for them, uh, but his numbers in the minors aren't, they're not bad, but they're not great. He went 16, 13 and one last year with a 0.912 save percentage and in, in 32 appearances. Those, those are fine numbers. Um, they're not great. Malcolm Subban has kind of bounced around for a while as, number two in a couple different places um you know boston vegas and and now chicago his numbers last year in in the nhl he played in 21 games went nine seven and three with a 3.17 goals against average i mean this is not that's not winning anybody a job here so uh i guess i i would project maybe 50 50 split i mean maybe even you know 30 30 30 with you know depending on what kind of camp showing uh and does just you know to see who can step up so uh if there's a weak point of this team it's absolutely the net mining uh i would have taken Corey crawford back in a heartbeat i i'm shocked they didn't like weren't in harder on you know obviously we in hindsight we know lundquist uh has the heart condition but I was surprised they didn't go after Lundqvist or or Hopi or or something just to shore up this team. I mean, maybe they're trying to get that number one pick, Paul. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it's a head-scratcher for me, too, partner. I mean, last year they didn't even give Subban a a start after he was acquired at the trade deadline. And now to see him 1-2 with Colin Delia, it it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. There are two kids in the Nets that are unproven. There were a whole host of goalie options. We talked at length about the goalie carousel that we expected in terms of player movement around the league we certainly saw it but uh if you're you're talking about uh, a game that kids used to play there was one team left standing without a chair to sit on and that was the Hawks when it turned out to be the goalie carousel Subban and Delia have to be ranked for me the worst goalie tandem in the NHL and that's uh, a reflection on the fact that neither one is really experienced uh, any length of time as a as a starter in this league uh, let alone uh, a second stringer i mean so so they have a lot to prove and and maybe they will but right now i wouldn't rank these guys, either of them, in the top 30 goalies in the NHL. I'll go out and, and say that, too. They will be protected uh, if, if uh, they need to be protected. They really have to count on Duncan Keith on the blue line here. Uh, he leads the look uh, at the defense, as always, in the last 10 or 12 years. He's been the guy, and they're going to count on him big time to carry the flag and the load of ice time, as he usually has as the power play quarterback. Getting a little long in the tooth, though, and the product productivity is not uh, top ten among defenders in the league uh, and it hasn't been for a couple of years. Uh, Alongside him Adam Boquist is a a youngster they're trying to nurture and uh, there's probably not too many finer mentors around the league than Keith so hopefully Boquist can emerge as a second option uh, alongside the uh, Hawks great. Uh, In terms of depth we spoke about the acquisition of Zdorov a big physical defenseman who has some offensive upside as well. You can say the same thing for Connor Murphy, so that's a pretty attractive second pairing for me. And then I, I like Calvin DeHaan as a third-pairing defenseman, but after that, it gets a little murky with uh, unproven types as Lucas Carlson, Nick Sealer, and Nicholas Baudin. Baudin fighting for uh, ice time in that top, uh, the top six. They're hampered by the fact that Long-time stalwart Brent Seabrook will start the season on IR, and he might spend the whole year there uh, with his injury woes. It's a shame because uh, he's put in a lot of travel miles for the Hawks and uh, was a key part in their championship years. But he's looking to clo- likely to close out his career in Hawks colors from the press box or from the uh, LTIR, and that's a shame, in my estimation. AJ, how do you look at this blue line?
0: I think the acquisition of Zadorop was a big one, I, especially with the news that Seabrook, um, you know, it won't be ready to go here and, and could miss the whole year. Um, I, I, I think you need somebody like like think about if they hadn't brought him in, right? Then you've got maybe a second pairing of Murphy and DeHaan and Sealer and, and Lucas Carlson as your third pairing. Like it gets really thin really quick. Um, so you know, say what you will about the acquisition. Or the fact that they, you know, gave up Brandon Saad as part of it. But I, I just think overall, especially, you know, hindsight being what it is with the, the Seabrook injury, you you have to have done it um, and, and added that piece here. For the for the forward compliment, you know, you, you mentioned Jonathan Taves being out. Look, I, I think in a in a bubble, the Taves injury is is manageable, even if it ends up being something that that carries on long term. If you have Kirby Doc, but they're also going to be without Kirby Doc for four to five months. So he's looking at late April. Um So maybe he could come back for like the last week of May games. And by that point, I'm guessing Chicago is going to be out of playoff contention. So why bother? I mean, unless he's totally 100 percent and raring to go. And, you know, you add on to that, uh, Alexander Nylander is going to be out four to six months. So depending on his timeline, he might not even get close to it to a sniff of, of hockey this season now again he's not a huge piece but I think Nylander probably could have at least maybe challenged for top six minutes on the second line you know maybe not maybe he falls into a third but now you've got just a bevy of injuries coming up and really thin down the center I mean you're looking at first line to Brinkat Strom and Kane uh, which is a fine line. I think Strom can can fill into that role admirably. I, I don't foresee any real issues there. This guy had 57 points a, a year ago, uh, 38 points last year in just 58 games. So I, I think that's a fine line. He, he'll he do fine there. Where, where they go from there is a big question mark. So right now we have Matthias Janmark, Lucas Walmark, and Dominic Kubalik uh, as this as the second line. And again, I, I think a guy like Nylander could have pushed here to against, you know, Janmark or or, or Kubalik and, and really challenge those guys. Lucas Walmark will face challenges all season from Carl Soderberg, who we have as the third line playing with John Clenville and Andrew Shaw. And then you've got a fourth line, Matthew Highmore, David Camp, and Ryan Carpenter. Brandon Peary is a guy, I think, will be, uh, a contender here for minutes as well but the the middle of this lineup is just a nightmare now when you when you think about it it's fully fit you've got Taze as your number one you probably have kirby dock sliding in as your number two maybe over strome to be totally honest with you especially with the how he's his career is projecting and so then you'd have as, Strom as three and soderberg as your fourth like i love the depth at center there but uh, it's it's going to be a real as bad as the goaltending is. This is, is very close to being their weak point, I think. Um, But the goaltending is just such a disaster that nothing's going to be worse than that. (laughs) So
1: you're giving us a peek into your final standings here, I think, aren't you? (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think the the tough luck at center, you mentioned about the Team Canada Juniors captain, also Kirby Dock, expected to miss a long time here. So those guys figured to be the one-two punch at center. Uh, The the mantle falls to Dylan Strom. Now, this guy was recently... uh, high first round draft pick he's starting to come into his own with the Hawks and I think he can eventually morph into a top six center I just don't know that he's ideally suited as the number one guy at this point in time certainly he can't complain about the projection that we have that he's going to play in between Patrick Kane and Alex Dubrinka two bona fide snipers in this league so uh, if I was him I'd be distributing the puck as quickly as I can get it off my stick to one of those two guys and hope that I pile up a whole bunch of assists here but uh, he's a big rangy guy and you like that in your year top centers so uh, I've always had uh, time for his skill set and followed his career in junior and if he puts it all together he'll be a top six guy in in Chicago for a long time. Matthias Janmark, Lucas Walmark and Dominic Kublik, rather an uninspiring second line the way I see it. Kublik might be the the guy with the highest upside. He's he's, uh, scored regularly since he came into the league not too long ago. I expect that to be challenged with the likes of Walmark and Jan Mark as, as his partners here, but I still think he's the fourth best offensive piece, the way I see it. Uh, Soderberg needs to be healthy for this team and needs to uh, challenge for that second line role to uh, help this club close the gap on, in a, in terms of playoff hunt. If they don't get any production from Walmart or Soderbergh this team's going to be done and done early and challenged for maybe one of the lowest runs in this division's standings as you implied AJ because you look at there's not too much fantasy value among the rest of this team Andrew Shaw is a feisty guy probably well cast as in a third line role probably a net front presence on the power play so there could be some sneaky good DFS value play there if you're looking for some some tips in that regard but Beyond that, the only other prospect that I would highlight maybe is David Kampf at centre, another guy who could challenge for more ice time if Walmart or Soderberg don't really work out. Uh, the next team that we're going to look at is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Look, I got a good look at this team in the playoffs last year and I really liked what I saw. Uh, despite the fact that dismantled my favorite team rather quickly in the opening round. But they have a lot of depth uh, on this roster throughout, and they added some interesting pieces in the offseason. They include Miko Koifu. And Max Domi, who should help solidify the center position, Koivu a little long in the tooth in his late 30s, but I think there's still some some gas in the tank there as a, a solid playmaking center. Domi's another, a guy ha- who has to rehabilitate his career, as far as I'm concerned. It took a nosedive in Montreal last year, and uh, he's probably in a real good situation, challenged by a coach who will be in his face all year long to get the best out of him. That could make for some fireworks, I think. AJ and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Cliff, who a prospect uh, who I've long been waiting for this guy's debut in the NHL. We might see it this year. He might challenge for a depth position at center. But uh, if things pan out for him, I could see him being a top six guy down the road. Another interesting stash maybe in dynasty play. Michael Delzado on a player tryout. Uh, has joined this club in the hopes of making his the team and extending a long career this guy's pretty much a power play specialist at this point and it's an area where uh, columbus could use a little bit of help maybe on the second power play so maybe if he makes the team look for him in that role on the blue line gavin bay is a depth defenseman and then thomas scheich is is another guy that they signed in the off season as well probably challenging for a depth position on this roster. Uh, in terms of the goalie mix, it's a rather intriguing one with some, some tricky names. I'm anxious to hear you say them.
0: <laughs> well, a full disclosure, you know, with the move and everything, I haven't slept much the last couple of days. So if there's other botched names today on the show, uh, hopefully our listeners will forgive me. But uh, it's going to be Jonas Corposalo as, as the number one and Elvis Merzalikens Beautiful. as the number two. Uh, and so I, I, I think Corposalo probably gets – maybe 60% of the starts, but I think it'll be closer to 55. You know, he, he missed a good chunk of time last year. And, and Merz Lickens was, was totally fine over that stretch. I, he played really well, put up solid numbers. So um, with the, with the back-to-backs and basic, basically playing every other night, I wouldn't be surprised to see closer to a 55 45 split here with Corpozala taking just a little bit more of the starts. And
1: you left out Matias Kivlenics. That's a a tough Latvian name that I struggle with too, AJ. You're not the (laughs) only one that's challenged by all these Euro names. I have the NHL pronunciation guide at the ready to help me out here and urge our listeners to get into that, uh, to find out the real pronunciation of some of the names that we will botch together. You're not the only one. Uh, We do our best, but uh, it's tough with such an international flavor in the game these days. But uh, uh, in terms of the quality of the guys here that you mentioned, Korpisala and Lickens a very intriguing one too and uh, Corpus Allo was amazing in that playoff victory against the Maple Leafs last year I wonder if he can can take the next step and be considered a top 10 goalie in this league uh, he has all the tools the size the skill set that I saw to to make that jump but uh, Elvis Merzlikens is a very viable number two and could challenge so I see this being no worse than a 60-40 split in the nets uh, probably similar what to what your call was in terms of the defensive tandems, there may be no better one in this division than Worenski and Jones. I'll put that out there right off the top. Uh, I, I really like the size, the skills, the offense, the defense, everything. The, the, this twosome has that, and it's one of the rare tandems that appears in sync on a first line power play they often take the ice together so that's how good they are uh, at the offensive end you should be ranking them both in the top 20 in terms of defensemen in this league when you get ready for your drafts and if you're looking for a secondary option i think for me that's david savard here he's played some time on the second power play unit and they they sometimes switch it up to put a fourth forward out there with him Vladislav Gabrikov is another guy that might have a bit of an offensive upside beyond that you're looking at the defensive uh, defensemen like Dean Kuken and Andrew Peak to round out the squad. Gabriel Carlson is a guy who th- may threaten for ice time as well as Adam Glendenning. so they have Glendenning, so they have some pretty good uh, experience and depth on this blue line uh, in addition to the, the hopes that Del Sato can figure into the mix. What say you:
0: I think you're underselling Gavrikov a little bit and I, I You know, it was his rookie year last season. So I understand they didn't want to bombard him with uh, with, you know, power play ice time. So without really playing much of any time on the power play, he averaged like just shy 1859, just shy of of 19 minutes a game. So I would not be shocked to see him take on a little bit of a role there. Uh, 18 points in 69 games. When you factor in that all of that came five on five. Uh, those are decent numbers for, for a 23-year-old defenseman playing in the NHL for the first time. So I really think he could take another step forward. And, and um, again, if, if I'm a Blue Jackets fan, I think I'd rather see Gavrikov um, on that second power play unit than a guy like David Savard, personally. For the forward complement today, uh, you've got a top line of Alex Teixeira, Pierre-Luc Dubois, fresh off that big, big contract, two years, $10 million a little a, a bridge deal if you want to call 10 million dollars a bridge um, and then oliver bjorkstrand as the right winger i like this line a lot I, I think there's a lot to like here um you know you've got some scoring guys uh m- none of these guys are blatantly problematic defensively Although, let's be honest, uh, nobody in this lineup, when you've got John Tortorella chirping in your ear, is going to be that bad defensively. That guy will boot you out of the lineup in a heartbeat. So um, I, I really like this line. I think if they needed to, wanted to, you could move Max Domi to, to the wing, but I don't see it. I think he's better off being the second line center here. He'll play alongside Nick Felino and Cam Atkinson. Again, this is another spot, though. You know, Dome is a little bit more flexible. You could move him to the wing and move uh, Miko Koivu up to second-line center. Again, if you're if you're looking for options, but I, I really don't think so. Koivu comes in as the third-line center. He'll be flanked by Boone Jenner and Mikhail Gregorenko, who, you know, I really I like um, what he has, has shown at times. It, the numbers have not you know, he's um, – been suspended uh, for for um various things but uh, his last season in colorado in 2016 17 23 points in 75 games those are admirable numbers and and really uh, i think the third line is a good spot for him this is a group that could put up some numbers you're going to see kind of a mix and I, i'm guessing it's going to be matchup dependent um, what they do on the fourth line. You've got Liam Foudy, also Eric Robinson, Riley Nash, Emil Benstrom, Nathan Gervey. Like you got a couple of like grinders here. You have a couple of guys that maybe could put some scoring touch together. Uh, Kevin Stenland saw some action last year uh, when they were really banged up. And, uh, you know, Gustav Nyquist is is still dealing with uh, a shoulder injury and he'll be out until early April. Um so, yeah, so, you know, that's, that's a big um, blip that's kind of shuffled things up, but they have so much depth that I actually am not that concerned about that for them. No, but
1: there is some some value in getting the right sleeper correct here, and when you're looking at the first line... And uh, somebody to play off of Pierre Luc Dubois' flank, Alex Texier looks to me uh, to be one of the better sleeper options in this division. If you're looking uh, that that way into your draft prep, uh, he's a guy that has a ton of offensive upside and really has never had extended minutes as a top six forward here. Uh, and so this is a this is the year where I think he's going to get a long look. And if things work out, he could really explode on the scene as a top scorer on the on the Blue Jackets roster. Yorkstrand uh, already took a bit of a step in that direction last year I expect that trajectory to continue so like you I have high expectations for that top line I'd like to see Nick Foligno stay in one line this guy jumped around from first second to third and back uh, the last couple of seasons I think he's ideally suited as a number two guy and could form an interesting partnership with Max Domi to really light up things as a, a top scoring second unit in this division and cam atkinson rounds it out with his skill set as well a guy who's been around the league for a while and had some ups and downs in columbus but with these veterans alongside i think that's a pretty stable looking second unit miko koivu probably at this stage in his career ideally casts a third line center who will nurture some of the uh, youngster youngsters that want to contend for that status i have my eye also on liam foodie as potentially another sleeper Pick option in, in this roster. I think that left wing is fluid, and Foodie's a guy who's going to get along to look to see if he can be part of at least the top nine here going forward. You might say the same thing on the right side for Emil Benstrom. So, uh, a lot of depth options here, and if a couple of them emerge, they will only fortify uh, what looks to, to be a pretty impressive group of forwards in Columbus. The next team we're going to look at is one of the Stanley Cup uh, finalists. That's the Dallas Stars last year. They didn't really tinker too much in the off season with the roster depth. Uh, the only piece that they brought over was of any consequence was Mike Pissick, a guy who is an intriguing uh, option here for this team. Uh, I call him like the Swiss Army Life knife of this club, where he played some defense, he played some forward in the past, and he did had a successful run as a as a forward. And DFS plays it was a pretty pretty nice bonanza for for me a couple of times when he played up front and and scored a couple of goals and got really involved in the offense in that sort of short stretch so I wonder how they're going to use him AJ and where he might fit in but before we go to the defense and forwards we're going to start as always with the goalies and
0: uh, have, have you take us through it well they obviously got some bad news uh you know in in November here uh, that if Bishop is going to be out until mid-March so that means uh, Davi Anton Hudobin is going to be carrying the load for him. But unfortunately, right now, he's hung up due to immigration issues. We've seen this with a couple of teams that are having problems with this right now. He's going to miss the start of camp. Um, but if he doesn't get here soon, I believe, uh, if I read correctly in other cases, the quarantine period is seven days and, and multiple negative COVID tests. So we're, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. He needs to get to Dallas pretty soon so we can start isolating if he's going to be available um, for opening night. So they're, they're going to be hoping because if not, you're looking at a potential starter of, of either Jake Ottinger, Landon Bow, or Colton Point for, for opening night if Hudobin's uh, if not ready to go. So once that all gets squared away, I mean, geez, with the untested guys that they have and, and you got Bishop out until mid-March, it's probably not outrageous to think Hudobin would take 70% of the starts. Um, maybe they're just using Ottinger or Bo on whoever makes the number two spot there in the back to backs and then you know one Bishop comes back, the two of them could split time on, unless you know um, unless they don't want to do that and just want to use Hudoven. but uh, yeah, the, the bishop injury is a big one and, and really I think increases Hudoven's value because uh, before that injury came out, I would have expected close to a 5050 split with these two guys with the tight schedule. And now you've got Hudobin taking, like I said, upwards of of seventy, maybe seventy-five percent of the starts, at least until Bishop comes back. And
1: uh, to pick up on that point, AJ, that's a huge bump in his usage. Kudobin has been a, one of the league's best backups in the NHL for the last three or four years, and. Uh, The fact that he played a bigger role last year might might prepare him for the job that is ahead with Bishop's injury, and that's a real key point here because I figure that these teams should be a real contender for this division title. But the question mark for me, I wouldn't have expected it to be be a net, but that's exactly where it is with Bishop's injury status and the fact that Kudobin is uh, likely to have a bit of a challenging start if he gets to start. So, a bit of a black hole in, in the nets right now, but it should be a team strength before the end of the season in my opinion and backing him up is a really nice uh, group of defensemen here the focus team-wide is uh, defensive posture so that helps the goalies situation they're one of the best in terms of preventing shots on goal as a whole uh, on this team and the fact is that uh, they have a lot of quality up front that prevents uh, prevents a lot of action they do have some offense cap- offensive capabilities too on this blue line and it's led by the guys on the right side on the top two pairings john klingberg and miro heiskanen uh, klingberg's been a guy that has been a focus of mine in terms of o- an offensive catalyst here for a while but Heiskanen has really challenged and maybe overtaken them in that way uh, uh, to be the number one option when it comes to deploying power play here. That's going to be a real issue that you want to get right uh, when you're looking at the Dallas situation. And one way to do it is keep an eye on on our roadwire depth charts. AJ and company, they do a great job keeping that updated on a daily basis. I like to plug that as early and often as I can, A.J., and uh, maybe you're too modest to do it, but you guys do a hell of a job, uh, and I mean that. Uh, it's really key to my prep on DFS Uh, action every day Uh, I always consult the depth charts here and you're going to give us the straight dope every year I know you uh, every day I know you will Uh, so that's a bit of a pat on the back you're not used to getting that from me on the air but (laughs) there you are buddy Uh, Essa Lindell one of the top defensive defensemen in hockey uh, is a real good foil for Klingberg allows him the freedom to go up the ice uh, every chance he gets to get involved in the offense and that's a good thing for Klingberg owners but Lindell not really uh, known as an offensive defenseman is his foil Oil there, Jamie Alexiak, he had a nice run uh, in the playoffs last year, showing an offensive upside, and and so maybe he's a third offensive option among the depth chart here, and they even have a fourth if you consider Andre Sekara, if he can stay healthy contribute some offense from time to time I already mentioned Mark Pissek as the Swiss Army knife we've got him listed as a defenseman here don't be surprised if he shows up on the forward side of things they also have Taylor Fadun as an experienced depth option Julius Honka is another guy who's had a couple of cups of coffee with the big club so they have as many as eight guys and unfortunately Steven Johnson make a nine but he starts the season on the IR and the outlook is not great for him.
0: No, absolutely not. Uh, I, at this point, I'd be surprised if he plays. Uh, to be to be perfectly blunt about it, I think a lot depends on on what they're getting from Fadoon or or Honka or even Hanley. But um, with how deep this club is on the blue line, Pissick probably makes more sense at forward. I mean, put him on a put him on a line with Andrew Cogliano and Blake Como. I wouldn't want to play against that group. That's for sure. Um, but he can be, uh, potentially in a scoring, uh, spot on the third line as well. So, um, they have some flexibility with him and I just think they're so deep on the blue line that it, it doesn't make sense to keep them there. If, if he's a guy that you want to get on the ice, uh, for the forward compliment today, you're looking at Jamie Ben, Joel Pavelski and Alexander Raduloff as, as your top group to, to start out. Um, uh, Tyler Sagan is going to be out until April. Um, which is pretty much the whole season, had to undergo a hip surgery. Uh, So he'll be out until April. Obviously, if if Dallas makes the playoffs, which is certainly possible, he could be a playoff addition to the the club. That would be quite the boost there. But um, for now, it'll be Ben Pavelski and Radulov on the top line. You've got Kivaranta, uh, Rupe Hintz, and Dennis Gurianov making up the second group. I think that's a, a, a trio that's really capable of scoring. If there's a guy that's maybe has the the you know shortest leash in that group, it's probably Kivaranta. If only because he's kind of a, a youngster and and most of his success honestly came during the the playoff run here. Uh, you look at his regular season numbers: one goal in eleven games. But uh, in the postseason, he put up some some good early numbers when when given an opportunity: uh, five goals in, in twelve games, and really most of that came before the Stanley Cup final against Tampa. So. Uh, I think he'll get at least a shot at that second line left wing. Justin Dowling, Radic uh, Faxa, and Jason Dickinson making up the third line. Again, this is where Pissek could potentially slot in. Andrew Cagliano, Nick Cam- uh, Camano, and Blake Como coming together on the fourth line. Uh, Joel Esperance could be uh, in contention for, for some spot there as well.
1: Yeah, this is a situation where you want to see uh Expect to see Pavelski in the center position long-term. He's a guy that's played some wing uh, throughout a long, illustrious career, but they need him to lock down one of the top two center roles here, so you can pretty much expect that that's where he'll be owing to the Sagan injury. That's a real tough blow for this team, which figures to be a contender for the top spot in the division. Their life would be a lot easier if they could ice Sagan on a nightly basis. They won't have that luxury for about three four months, as you suggest. That means an opportunity for Rupe Hintz to solidify a second-line center role. Uh, Look, he and Gurianov, I think, are going to be a pretty nice dynamic duo here in Dallas for a while, and they're a real nice... uh pairing on a second unit behind the top group that you suggested kivaranta for me also the wild card i think it could be a bit of a revolving door on the left wing so one of those guys is going to emerge as a a very good sleeper pick so keep an eye on the early production of kivaranta dowling and cogliano and robertson one of them will get a top six role and you want to grab that guy and hold on to him if you can once it's established early in the season faxa is a nice depth option on the in the third line center position and uh, dickinson rounds out the top nine they have a injury insurance with Blake Como as a veteran depth option on the fourth line so that's really why they didn't really have to make too much in, term, in terms of player movement in the offseason they had a lot of pieces in place and uh, it's no wonder they went to the Stanley Cup final uh, I think it's gonna be a tougher road this year without Sagan but uh, I think it's still a very strong mix in Dallas All right, with the Detroit Red Wings, a whole host of new faces here, uh, some veterans, some youngsters, but you figure a team that finished in the bottom of the standings has to be a team that would make some changes in the offseason. We expect a bunch. Here are some of the names to look at. Uh, You'll recognize a whole host of them, I'm sure. Bobby Ryan at right wing, Thomas Grice in the nets, Troy Stetcher on the blue line, Vlad Nemesnikov at center, Mark Stahl on defense, John Merrill on defense, Kyle Krishulo at center, Riley Barber at right wing, and Kevin Boyle, a depth option in goal, and then goal is where we start. AJ, what do you think of the goalie mix in Detroit this year?
0: Well, I don't love it, um, but, but I don't hate it either. Um, you got Jonathan Bernier, who I think we'll see Uh, the bulk of the workload here. But Thomas Grice is a guy who's coming off, you know, several seasons in, in uh, Long Island where he's been splitting time. And and that's what he's kind of gotten used to, honestly, at this point. So they may um, be preparing to go with a a split, uh, split crease situation. I don't think Bernier has really thrived in, in those settings. He's done better over the course of his career Um, in, you know, kind of limited options where he's, you know, the number one guy you look at his couple years in Detroit, or Toronto, rather, he had 20 win seasons with the Leafs, and he was playing, you know, over 50 games a night in those ones, and then you know, his numbers kind of drop off a little when he's not the number one guy. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in terms of deployment. Calvin Pickard could compete for some starts as well, especially, again, with the, the shortened schedule, the back to backs, the every other nights and, and all that. Um, but I don't I don't love the tandem, but it's as we talked about earlier, it's definitely not the worst tandem uh, in the conference. That's for sure.
1: No, you know, I uh, I think Bernier had a very nice season, heroic almost, in a bad situation for himself personally. He got a lot of ice time and and uh, kept Detroit in a lot of games that he played. When you look at his partner last season, I think that uh, Howard had one of the worst seasons in terms of win-loss of any goalie in recent memory. Was something like 2-23 and 23 was his record, so he's long gone. And uh, Rice is a very nice pickup to be, form a pretty interesting tandem of veteran goalies in, in the Detroit situation. They'll need to be heroic again to steal as many points as they can to make Detroit relevant this year. But they got a better shot with some of the guys that they added uh in this mix and uh, I think the defense is looking a little more a cre- lot more credible than it has in the last few seasons with the ex- addition of some of the experienced names that we highlighted in the off-season. but really for me the key offensive piece here on the back end is Philip Veronik he was highly touted uh, right out of uh, junior in his draft year as being a key offensive component that could run a power play he's going to get a chance to do that in Detroit for the next few years and I'd like He's the top offensive option on the back end if you're going to rank them one through six by miles here when I look at this situation. Maybe the second best is Troy Stecher over from Vancouver. Uh, in this mix, he rounds a, out a, a top four that will also include Danny DeKaiser, a longtime Detroit Red Wing defenseman, and Patrick Nemeth, a defensive specialist who will be Ronix's partner in that first tandem. On um, the third pairing, Mark Stahl will bring some stability, a um, longtime Defensive defenseman with some uh, with some acumen in that space. John Merrill, similarly qualified. These guys should be a pair, pretty uh, dependable third pairing, good minute eaters, injury insurance, ready to step up in case one of the top four gets hurt. Dennis chelowski is another guy that they have high, high hopes for eventually to be a, a key piece on this grouping, and I think he should threaten for top four minutes once he gets his feet under him. Alex Viega is a nice def- defensive option, a depth option. So that's eight viable names on the back end here in detroit that should help solidify things and help them close the gap
0: on some of the contending teams this season the guy most interesting to watch on the blue line is going to be troy stetcher look you know his minutes dropped off dramatically last year in vancouver and obviously we all know why because they have a stud youngster who came in and quinn hughes and ate up a whole bunch of minutes and so it makes sense but you're looking at a guy that for his first three seasons averaged anywhere between just under 20 minutes a night to just under 19 minutes a night. Decent numbers for, for a young uh, a young blue liner. Well, last year his average was just 15-21, almost no power play ice time there. Still managed to put up a career-high five goals, uh, 17 points total You know, in 69 games. Give him a couple more games, he probably hits that 20-point mark for the third time in his four seasons. So I, I really think, you know, look with, with less games to play, but more ice time, maybe around 20 is not a bad mark for him this year. 15 to 20. I think is pretty fair um, given 56 games, but I would imagine he'll get more ice time than the 15, 21 he saw uh, last year. So I definitely expect, you know, maybe some bigger, better things for him. And as you said, maybe he's on the second power play unit. Cause you're not putting Mark Stahl. On a power play unit, that's for sure. <laughs> Probably, you know, at this point, you may not want to put Danny DeKaiser out there. He's had some injury concerns the last couple of years. John Merrill's not competing for it. So uh, you only have a, whole, uh, a limited number of choices uh, there. In terms of, of the forward complement here, top line projects out to be Tyler Bertuzzi, Dylan Larkin, and Anthony Mantha. I think this is a great group that can re- uh, potentially put some points on the board, especially being centered Um, by a player of Larkin's caliber look you know he came in to league with a lot of fanfare then Detroit became terrible Um, and he really I think flies under the radar I mean you're talking about a guy his worst season was his sophomore year he put up 32 points in 80 games like that's that's really not that bad especially when they had other guys playing bigger minutes he last year he's averaging 21 minutes a night that's that's defenseman territory in terms of minutes per game 53 points last year so uh, i think dylan larkin flies under the radar here because he's on a bad team but in terms of your fantasy production uh, you don't care if they win or not if he's putting up points right um so that's not really a, a big concern for me tyler bertuzzi i might take as well um i think this first line is is usable uh maybe especially in dfs for for bad matchups as well Ah, uh, second line looks like Philip Zedana is gonna gonna finally get uh, you know a real decent shot at the NHL here. He'll uh, be centered by Robbie Fabry and then Bobby Ryan, who, as I said during our preseason sh- or our uh, free agency show, I think it's the best signing uh, in the NHL this year. Getting him in on a one year, one million dollar kind of prove it contract, a guy that's going to be motivated to put up points and earn some money uh, heading into not next offseason. Sam Gagne Vladislav Nemestikov and Adam Ernie make up the third uh, third line this is where the you know things start to fall off a little bit for for Detroit in my opinion and there are some questions about the second line too but uh, Nemestikov is is a player that I have consistently repeatedly taken in fantasy leagues only to be a a little bit underwhelmed in terms of his production still put up 31 points last year 17 goals so not terrible uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just reaching for him too much. And I expect more uh, from him. Darren Helm, but, uh, Vlateri, F- F- Fibula, and Riley Barber rounding out the fourth line. But Franz Nielsen, Luke Lundénning are all guys that will get sniffs here or there. Michael Rasmussen could even uh, be a candidate as well. So what you're
1: implying is there's a lot more of a veteran feel to this team, even up front, AJ. But uh, like you said, uh, the top three forwards, young guys, that they're going to build the future of this team around. Dylan Larkin is undersold as... Underrated player here in this league, largely because of his uh, the fact that he tolls for a team that's in the bottom of the standings. But I agree with you. This, uh, each of these three guys, viable options in DFS play, look for them to be underpriced uh, more often than not. Uh, on the second line, I'm really laser focused on Philip Zadina. This guy's mouth wrote checks that his skill set <laughs> didn't keep when he draft was drafted. And you know it, and you're laughing in the background. He said a lot of things in his first training camp, saying, oh, I'm going to make the teams that passed over me regret that. Well, he hasn't done it yet, and uh, the focus will be on him to start delivering on the high expectations that he had for himself I do think that uh, that there's a lot of skill there, and if he can get his head right, he can be a real strong player in this league, but he's got to show me before I have any faith in him. Robbie Fabry is a guy with a high offensive upside, and I like the possibilities with him and Ryan and Sedina uh, in terms of the skills here, but uh, really that uh, that has to translate in terms of performance, and you wonder if they have the dedication of the defensive side of the ice to uh, to really qualify as a solid second line here, but that's the challenge before them, and uh, they're all guys that have been around the league for a while. So, uh, with the exception of Zadina, uh, I think that there's a, there's a chance that they can do some damage, and uh, again, could be underrated through the early going. Nemesnikov is is for me a wild card here. He could, if Fabry falters a little bit, he could easily move up into that second line center role. So, it's nice for a, a developing team to have options and. Uh, they have a Swiss Army knife themselves in Valtteri Philpola. He's played anywhere from top line to fourth line minutes, left, center, right. So you can expect him to move around the roster and be useful throughout. A guy that Steve Eiserman has a lot of time for and I think will be a contributor here for the Red Wings on the nights that they do well. The rest of the the cases are more depth options and not really anybody with really high offensive upside. Franz Nielsen's got a bad contract. Adam Ernie is a big physical guy. Riley Barber, probably well-suited as a forward-line winger. Darren Helm has been here for a while as a bottom six guy. Ditto for Sam Gagne in his career. So really, the names that we talked about off the top uh, in Detroit's offensive mix are the only guys that you can count on to be DFS impact types. The next team we're going to look at is the Florida Panthers. They made a whole host, maybe the most changes of any team in the offseason. So I'm going to get a deep breath in, AJ, and I'm going to walk through all the new phases here. You can go have a coffee, probably have breakfast by the time I'm finished rhyming off all these names. But we'll begin with Radko Gudis. Vinny Hinestroza and Patrick Hornquist, all guys at uh, veteran presences. Kudus on the blue line, Hinestroza and Hornquist up front. Alex Wenberg, another forward who should challenge for top nine at situation at best. Carter Verhege, more of a depth option, as is Ryan Lomberg. Marcus Nudevera has had a checkered time trying to find top four minutes on defense when in his tours around the league. Grigori Denisenko is over from Europe. Ryan Lomberg at left wing, Scott Wilson, left wing, Anthony Duclair, an interesting possibility uh, at center, and Kevin Connaughton on uh, defense, and Scott Darling in the nets.
0: Go ahead and talk about the goalies. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we have to break down any other roster spots on this team. I think everybody's pretty much new and you just covered. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, obviously it's going to be the the Bobrowski show here in, in Florida. I would expect seventy maybe creeping on 75% here, but they did like what they got out of Chris Dreger and Samuel Montembeau in their last couple of years. They signed Scott Darling to, I, I imagine he'll be in the minors, but you never know. Um, so he could at least try and secure a, a backup job or something. But I, I just, you don't pay a guy $10 million a season to sit him on the bench night after night. So Florida's Panth, uh, Florida Panthers are tied to Bobrovsky, they'll go how he leads them. Uh, we saw how that worked out for them last year, obviously. But, uh, yeah, 70 to 75, I, I think, is the, the the right percentage for, for him.
1: Well, I'm, I'm thinking it'll be a titch lower than that because I, too, really liked what I saw to Chris Greger. And, really, I think the, the Panthers may have found something there. That's kind of like a found money situation where they didn't expect a lot from him, and he delivered a lot when he played. I thought, in fact, he should have got a look in the playoffs when Bobrovsky's struggles continued into the postseason. Samuel Montembeau is a viable third option, good injury insurance, and uh, it all left me scratching my head a little bit when they signed Scott Darling as a fourth guy in the goalie mix. Maybe they want him to be the guy that they dangle in terms of this upcoming Seattle draft. I'm not sure what the thinking is there other than that partner so uh, those are my thoughts on the goalie situation I'm not very high on Bobrovsky I think they spent way too much money for a guy who is not going to deliver the goods here and so I would stay away from him personally in the blue line situation they have a nice one-two punch in terms of scoring possibilities uh, offensive contributors and you might see the tandem of Yandel and Ekblad play uh, together on the power play here even though they're starting the season on different units in the in the regular uh, lineups that we have drawn up at Rotowire, Mackenzie Wieger uh, is going to partner with Ekblad, Ekblad on what could be one of the more formidable pairings in this division. Uh, Yandel is going to be offset by maybe Radko Gudis or maybe Marcus Nudevera. Uh, they're, they're good defensive foils for the fact that Yandel is one of the more likely players to spend a lot of time up the ice whenever he can as one of the more mobile, puck-moving defensemen who loves to get involved in the offense. It's really underrated. And when you look at his assist record year after year, he's among the league leaders. Yet uh, nobody really talks about him, and certainly the James Norris conversation or in ranking some of the top ten defensemen in the league, he's a sneaky good value pick. And uh, don't sleep on Keith Yandel if uh, your turn comes up in the draft and. Uh, the early rounds, he's not a bad option if you're looking for a defenseman on your club. They round out their top six with Anton Strahlman, another guy who's an underrated contributor at both ends of the ice. A very sound two-way defenseman, a veteran who they can count on to solidify a second or third pairing. I mentioned Nunez and Gudas. We'll see where they wound up whether well, second line or third line minutes for either one. But I don't think there's an offensive upside to either of those two fellas. So. Uh, it's left for Riley Stillman maybe Kevin Connaughton to challenge for more ice time here but they have some options and a very deep looking defense in Florida.
0: Yeah I think you're right that six pack is pretty much set in, in my opinion here uh, if there's one guy that, that I think maybe could push for, for some minutes is Brady Keeper uh, had you know 18 points in 61 games with the, the Thunderbirds last year in the minors uh, definitely a physical guy you look you know he had um <laughs> had a junior season where he racked up 202 penalty minutes in in five, uh, 58 games so this isn't a guy uh, that's afraid of <laughs> of spending some time in the box and, and getting in there again last year uh, in the AHL 108 penalty minutes so a little bit of a physical player obviously and so I think that could afford him some some opportunities to potentially get in the lineup but I think you're right that that bottom six is pretty much uh, locked and short up so I'll move on to the forward grouping here, uh, Jonathan Huberdeau will uh, continue to anchor that first left, left wing spot. Alexander Barkov in the center position. Uh, Anthony Duclair, as you mentioned, the addition he, he slots in potentially as the first line guy. I think that's probably the best fit for him. Uh, Denisenko, uh, Wenberg, and Tippett on the, the second line. Look, I, I honestly think Hornqvist could be there. They could have a second line that wasn't even on the team last year. Uh, with all those guys, you look at Denisenko last year, 12 points in 38 games in the KHL. So that's not wowing you, to be perfectly honest. Um, I wouldn't be, you know, shocked to to see him move down the lineup potentially. But, you know, I, I think they brought him over to potentially be a, a top six spot. So right now, as I said, Tippett is the second line guy. Hornquist on the third. Carter Verhege fills in as the third line center. Brett Connolly on the left wing. Then Frank Vitrano or Ryan Lomberg, uh, I think, slots into the fourth line on the left wing. Noah As- uh, Asari fills out the center. And Vinny Henestrosa on the right. Uh, Scott Wilson, another name I'll just toss out there for a guy that could fill a uh, bottom six role here with this club.
1: Yeah, for me, I think they're hoping to catch lightning in a bottle with the addition of Denisenko. They had Evgeny Dadanov here on the right wing. Uh, they plucked him out of the your, the KHL as well so they're hoping for a lightning to strike there with another top 6 forward in the mix from that league. Owen Tippett uh, a couple of years ago was a first-round draft pick here, and they're thinking that he's matured enough to get top six look. I think I mentioned Duclair as a center possibility, but you're right. He's probably more well-suited to the wing on a top unit, and if he makes good and plays a good soldier, he should have a very nice year alongside Barkov and Huberdeau, and ranks as a pretty good sleeper option as well. But Patrick Hornquist is kind of the insurance policy on the right side there. Should Tippett or Duclair fall a little short he's the guy that i think could move up and play into that top six role he's done it before in his career Vinny Henestrosa offers them some flexibility as well. He's played second-line minutes in his time in Chicago, I remember, so he could be an insurance policy there as well if guys like Wendberg or Verhege don't take the next step in their development. Achari is nothing more than a depth option. He plays played a third- or fourth-line minutes throughout his career. That won't change here. Frankie Vetrano also had a couple of nice offensive season Rates as pretty good insurance on the left side, so some I pretty think pretty good depth here among the forward companies. In Florida, and it should be enough to propel this team into contention for a playoff spot, certainly in this division, in my opinion. The second last team we're going to look at is the Nashville Predators here. They have added a few new faces, uh, foremost among them. Mike McCarran figures to be in the forward mix f- playing either left wing or center role. Mark Borowicki adds to a strong defensive complement here. Matt Benning similarly uh, cast as a depth defenseman. Nick Cousins on the left wing. Brad Richardson at center. Eric Hollis should be a nice fit at center. And uh, Luke Kunin. Should be a nice addition on the right side. So uh, I think some interesting choices here in terms of the additions that they made in the off season. Before we get to see where most of them rate, we got to go through the goalie mix here, AJ. And uh, it's not as cut and dry as it was a couple of years ago.
0: Absolutely not. I think you know two, three, four years ago, you're looking at the the Pecka Rennie show here for sure. Um, I think right now we probably will see close to a 50 50 split in the first like maybe month of the season and then uh they might decide to go with the hot hand from there whoever's playing better could kind of transition you know maybe the tail half of of uh you know early early february maybe mid-february you'll see maybe one of these guys uh if if one of these guys is kind of playing better they'll they'll gravitate away from that split um, I don't have any real guess as to who it could be. Uh, Pickett Rennie obviously has the, the resume or, or CV, as, as you say up there in Canada, <laughs> Pretty um, good to, to be uh, a number one guy, obviously. And so he could return to form. Last year could be a, a blip on the radar, but UC Saros uh, could also step forward in his progression. So I, I think it's up in the air for this group, but I would expect at the start a divided workload.
1: Now, how do you know about CV in Canada? Are you applying for a job elsewhere, partner? (laughs) Should I know something? Do I have to make room? Not as far as you know. (laughs) (laughs) Alert to the Rotowire head honchos here. Keep an eye on this guy. I, I need him as my sidekick. He's not going anywhere. Uh, Maybe he wants to be in studio here in Richmond Hill with me. I'm not sure. But uh, (laughs) in terms of the goalie mix, yeah, I, I implied, and you jumped on it too, UC Saros really closed the gap in terms of the goalie split here last year, and I think it could be in his favor this season. Pecorini is is close to 40 years of age now 38 I think is his current age UC Saros in his mid-20s is at a point in his career where his best years are ahead of him and he's got a really nice situation to grasp here with a very solid and deep experienced defense in front of him to protect him and he took great strides last season I think the goals against average will come down and he could be a very good late round addition if you're looking for a goalie uh, partner to uh, a guy that you've got to pick another guy that's better than him earlier on but he's be a pretty good secondary option if you're going in at a two goalie system in your in your upcoming drafts for a full season. In terms of the defensive depth, Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis, one of the top tandems in the league. Yossi, you know, he's a perennial candidate for the Norris Trophy. He figures to be that way again this year. Ryan Ellis is, to me, one of the underrated guys. When you think about defensemen, top defensemen, top scoring defensemen in the last few years, he's right there, but he's not a guy who's on the tip of anybody's tongue when you start to name them, it seems. So I look for him in, in uh, drafts as a potential early round steal uh, when other teams might be waiting on him to drop later. He won't. He'd be one of the top scoring defensemen again, as he has been for the last few years. Matthias Ekholm is a third option if you're looking for scoring from the back end that has got some experience and, and a pedigree and that way they're looking for Dante Fabro to take the next step in his development but that's an excellent top four on the back end I mentioned the addition of Borowicki and Benning if they can stay healthy that's a pretty pretty good pair to have on the third line Borowicki a very tough guy but a real good team leader type as well I think is a very nice addition on that back end it affords them more time to groom some of their youngsters on the back end I think Jared Tenordi as a family pedigree in hockey uh, with his father Mark being one of the most feared defensemen in the league in terms of scrapping and being a tough guy to play against. Jared Janorty would like to walk in those footsteps eventually but hasn't made the grade yet. Alexander Carrier and Yannick Weber are experienced guys who have been depth insurance for this team for a while and they're eighth and ninth on this roster. They could be top six on a number of teams in this league so I think uh, a strength of this team going forward.
0: Absolutely. And it, it has been for years. They're basically a, a D factory uh, in Nashville there. And Alexander carrier is a, a guy that I, I really like. He's only gotten five NHL games at this point. You look at his time uh, with the, the Milwaukee admirals and you've got 28 points in, in uh, three seasons ago, 37 points, two seasons ago, 37 points last year with just 55 games played, um, you know, one, Kind of X factor here for Nashville uh, just came out yesterday. The Milwaukee Admirals are not going to play this year, so Nashville suddenly finds itself without an AHL affiliate, um, which means more of these guys could be kept, um, you know, closer to home. If, if they're on the fringe, um, like a guy like Carrier, they're either going to be on the twenty-three man or on the taxi squad, um, because, like I said, yeah, they're they're not going to have an AHL team. Uh, this year, unless they can work out something else, that news just came out uh, yesterday, two days ago. Um, so it, it's going to create some headache, headaches, I think, for the Predators in terms of depth. Um, but getting Alex uh, Alexander Carey at least a few games here, I, I think, is warranted based on what he's done in the minors at this point in his career. The forwards: uh, Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, and Victor Arvidsson project out as the first line. Obviously, Arvidsson had some injury problems last year um that kind of uh or yeah last year that that caused him to miss some games but when he's in the lineup he's definitely a productive guy and fortunately he's given us some pretty good uh thresholds to look at uh two years ago he played 58 games so that's right on pace for what we'll get this year 48 points that year last year played 57 games 28 points so i think anywhere you know, in that 35 range is is a good spot to really project him. Maybe he pushes towards um, towards 40. I wouldn't be surprised to see him put up 20 goals this year as well. So, uh, Victor Arvison, a, a player I definitely am, am very high on. Uh, second line looks like Michael McCarron right now, Matt Dushane and Luke Kunin, but I doubt Mikael Granlund uh, will be satisfied as as the third line guy. So he'll push McCarron, I think, early and often to, to get bumped up into the top six. But right now we've got him on the third line with Eric Halla and Rocco Grimaldi. Um, Halla, you know, I think maybe his best days are, are a little behind him uh, at this point, despite being just 29 years of age. I know injuries have been a concern in the last couple of years, and that's really derailed him since his 55-point uh, campaign in 2017-18. Uh, then you round out the fourth line. Again, this could be a matchup choice here in, in what they decide to do. Nick Cousins, Callie Yarnrock, and Colton Sissons. They do have Brad Richardson. They've got Eli Tolvanen if they need some points. Um, you know, Jakob Trennan's another guy. So they could kind of switch up if they're going to play a more physical team, um, then maybe a, a Cousins and, and Yarnrock uh, grouping there, Colton Sissons as well. If they think it's going to be a speed kind of skill contest, then Tolvainen I think makes more sense.
1: I agree with you, and I'll pick up on that point first, AJ. When I was looking at this roster, I thought, who is a sleeper guy that I would highlight here? And Tolbinin's name leapt to the forefront for me. He was a guy who played his junior in London, Ontario, the factory that's produced so many top NHLers. And uh, he had a couple of nice seasons in the minors recently that tell me he's almost ready to take that first big step in the NHL. And the opportunity is there on this left side. Look, at Michael McCarron is not going to play second-line minutes in in uh, this this situation. No way, no how. If he does, this team's in trouble. That's what, that's what I'll go out and say. He's very miscast in that role. I think that's one change that you might want to make right away when you go back to the depth charts on, <laughs> on, the, on the RotoWire website. Michael Grandlin also, the more experienced hand on the left wing, could challenge for second-line minutes here, and really on paper should be the second-line guy behind Forsberg. That's a pretty interesting first line when you think about the scoring ability of Arvidsson and Forsberg. They like to get more offense out of Ryan Johansson even as a puck distributor. They're paying him a ton of money and really he's, he's uh, crapped the bed uh, to be quite blunt since he got, arrived in, in Nashville. He has to start earning that big paycheck and he's really cast in a really nice situation here so the challenge is there for him if he fails Matt Duchesne is going to leap into that role in a big hurry but he too has underdeveloped underperformed relative to his big contract as well so the bright light is shining on those two pivots at center who if right should be one of the better dynamic duos in the middle of the ice in this division Eric Halla, you're right he's getting up there in years he's been banged up injury wise over the last few seasons but when healthy a very viable third line option and insurance if the other two guys get hurt, if he can stay healthy. Callie Arncroft, probably the same can be said of him, a veteran guy who's bounced around this league for a while and uh, is a pretty nice piece to look at when you're considering fourth line minutes at worst for him. Nick Cousins and Colton Sissons also experienced hands, but not threatening the uh, DFS value or scoring ability of the top six guys here. Rocco Grimaldi, same can be said for him. So really it's concentrated for me among the experienced hands up front with maybe the wild card of Eli Tolman thrown into the mix here offensively. The final team that we're going to look at here is a team that offers a lot of intrigue from me when you consider their current salary cap situation, and I think we want to touch on that a little bit while we're talking about the AJ. But in terms of new faces, they've added a couple of former Maple Leaf farm hands to the mix here: Andreas Borgman on defense, Chris Gibson in net and uh, Cristobal Bu Nieves at center Marion Gabarek and Anders Nilsson have been added to the roster but they're going to spend their time on LTIR and this team needs to use this LTIR in a big way this year because right now they're way over the cap and they're going to need that big money to offset some of the contracts that are in the mix here to survive this season and really make it a juggling act for their capologist in-house. Uh, the goalie tandem here is a familiar one and it boasts probably the best guy in the league AJ
0: I'll lead into you with that yeah Andre uh, Vasilevsky will be the the number one guy here for them look I'm I'm in a league right right now it's a slow draft league Um, Vasilevsky went eight overall and then I followed up taking Connor Hellybuck 10th overall and you know uh, some of it is the the format of our our league obviously does uh, trend a little bit goalie uh, heavy but these guys are going to play a ton of games. And that is a huge value that you cannot undersell in the league right now, especially when you have clubs, um, you know, like Montreal that are potentially going to use two guys, Boston going to use two guys. Like you have to find the couple of guys that are going to play huge minutes. And I don't think it's outrageous to take a goalie in the first couple of picks here. I mean, I picked 10th and was hoping that Helibuck would fall to me. I was a little surprised that he was still there. I figured Vasilevsky might have gone top five. Honestly, if I had had a top five pick, I probably still would have taken Vasilevsky or Helibuck because goalies are so important to have a guy that's going to play every night. I, I really want to stress that for, for our listeners and our viewers now. Um, if you're watching us on, on YouTube, uh, the Roto-Wire YouTube channel here, you you have to have a top goalie this year, I think, more so than any other time. And using a first-round pick on Vasilevsky is, is not a waste because I expect 75% about the workload here. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if he pushes to 80. I think Helubuck will play more games, um, but it'll be close. You know, Maybe Helubuck plays three more games than Vasilevsky or something like that. But these guys are going to play – a pretty heavy workload in, in this fifty six game schedule.
1: Yeah, and I'll pick up on that point in general terms, AJ. I was almost thinking of challenging you but but when I when you put it the way you did, I, I think about the schedule thinking, Oh, but there's so many back to backs, there's two two games and three nights, three games and four nights can goalies be expected to play those back-to-backs? Well, I say yes, they will, and they can, because they're not going to be flying around as much as they were in a normal season, where you're going to be playing. If the Leafs start the season, uh, say on a, they're going to play three games in a row in Winnipeg, let's say, in four nights. So I think a goalie can play each of those games because they're not flying anywhere. You get up, you go to practice, you get up and play. What's the difference? They're going to be on the ice anyway every day. So I, I'm like you. I think that. Some of the top goalies in the league will see a heavy workload where at the beginning of the, this concept of a 56-game schedule in a condensed format, you start to think, maybe you need to have to go too deep in certain situations. Some teams will. With some success, some teams won't. But I think in the case of Vasilevsky and Hellebuck, you're right to say, lean heavily on these guys because they're going to play a ton. So a good call by you on that
0: one. Well, Paul, I'll follow up real quick because I, I just pulled it up and, and looked up the numbers. The Lightning are are tied with the Rangers and the Penguins with the fewest back-to-backs this season. They only have six back-to-backs. Now, we are talking about teams, as you said, two games in three nights, three games in five nights. Like, basically, they're going to play every other night the entire season. Um, And your travel point is huge, but in terms of actual back to backs the Lightning only have six of them.
1: So that underscores the point that we're both making, that these top-end goalies sometimes that make sense, even in a condensed schedule like this one, to go ahead and pick them. So if there's a valuable pick tip that we've given you in this pod, I think that was it, and we agree on it, AJ. And uh, well-protected they will be in Tampa in terms of the defensemen in front of them. Victor Hedman, annually one of the top defensemen at both ends of the ice, he's in line for the top of defensive defensemen as well as top offensive defensemen in the league. He's just that good in an elite class in this league. They're grooming Mikhail Sergeyev to be the same thing. He's anchoring a second pairing, rounding out the top two pan- tandems, uh, Eric Zernak uh, gets the plum assignment of being Hedman's partner on the top unit. And Ryan McDonough, who used to be a long-time minute eater in New York and the captain of the Rangers, rounds out the quartet uh, of, of the Blue Liners here. Very strong group. And then the depth pieces that they're looking at, a guy who parlayed a very nice playoff, a steady playoff, Luke Shen. Uh, Got a contract and will anchor a third pairing along with Andreas Borgman. It takes me back about 10 years to when uh, Shen was playing in the leaf situation and Borgman in the last couple of seasons in the minor leagues for Toronto. Now I get to see them as third line pair, a partnership on uh, the Stanley Cup defending champions. the least missed the boat here or what i'm not sure but uh (laughs) jan ruta and dimitri semikin are guys that are going to challenge for bottom six minute uh bottom six uh defensive roles here Devontae stevens and alex green unproven types on the blue line so really it's the six pack that i mentioned maybe with the addition of jan ruta as the key to the components on this defense not a bad group uh, especially
0: the top four i really like it absolutely i agree with with your entire assessment there uh, Mikhail Sergachev has a, a three-year deal now that he signed. That'll give him a little bit of security. Um, obviously, he's not going to take over as the, the top defenseman on the, the number one uh, power play unit. That's never going to happen. Um, I could see maybe a scenario where they would use him and Hedman, um, especially with Nikita Kucherov out. Um, So maybe they they use both. That's certainly a a possibility. But if he's not on the first unit, he'll definitely be on the second. And I think he really has some some value um, trending upwards value for the forwards. uh, I mentioned that that Nikita Kucherov is is not going to be available here. Uh, He's going to miss the entire regular season. They're very clear to stress the regular season. So they'll uh, hopefully get him back for the playoffs. I imagine this team will make the playoffs. I think we'd all be shocked if they didn't. Um, Andre Palat, Braden Point, and Steven Stamkos round out that first line. You know, obviously the the benefit to having Kucherov, uh, aside from what he does on the ice, is that I think it allows you to potentially move Stamkos to the, the second line and spread out the scoring a little bit. Um, but those guys will fill in together. You've got Alex Killorn, Anthony Sorelli, and Blake Coleman will make up the second group. I, I was very high on the Coleman addition last year. I thought it was crucial for them. Um, you know, his numbers maybe weren't uh, the greatest uh, in the, the regular season, but he only played nine games, had one assist. When you look at his postseason numbers, a little bit better there, to say the least, 13 points in the 25 playoff games. So this is a guy um, that I think just needed a little time to figure out his new team, his new linemates, and he'll slot in well there. Uh, Barclay, Goudreau, Yanni Gord, and Mitch, Mitchell Steffens rounding out the third group. Patrick Maroon, Matthew Joseph, Alexander Volkov as the as the fourth line here. couple of question marks here. Uh, what's happening with tyler johnson is the biggest one they obviously his contract is a problem nobody wanted to take that on he passed through waivers going unclaimed so are they gonna actually follow through and bury his contract in the minors uh that seems to be the 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 way they're trending um i don't think the ltir works off enough to get him in the lineup i'd have to really dive into the numbers and then the other one is is they brought in boo on a, on a uh a PTO and, and whether or not he makes the team here might depend on if they have room to to give him a full time contract due to Tyler Johnson's uh, you know big four million dollar deal.
1: Yeah, I think that's a real key here going forward. What to do with TJ uh, in terms of the depth chart? There, uh, a guy I'm keeping an eye on though uh, in the top six is Andre Pilat. Another guy who's annually underrated when you look at the depth, uh, the key pieces of offense here, he's not really considered, but every year he puts up numbers. And if he's partnered with Point and Stankos all season long in season long pools, this guy's going to be a, a super strong value, a sleeper pick, if you will. Alex Kalarn will challenge for that possibility, but certainly be no worse than a second line left wing here. So uh, those are two valuable. Ple- People uh, that should be cheaper options in terms of nightly DFS play as well. So keep an eye on them. Anthony Anthony Cirelli took a a very large step forward offensively. He's also one of the best defensive forwards in the league. So a really nice guy to have in the number two slot at center. Blake Coleman was a guy who added some physicality when he was acquired a couple of years ago, uh, and uh, he figures to be in the top six here with the injury situation to Kucherov opening a door, and uh, certainly the uncertainty around Tyler Johnson. I can't, I can't believe that he's going to spend the, the season in the minors. Something's got to happen there. And maybe they will find a, a way to manipulate the cap so he plays regularly. So keep an eye on that situation the way it unfolds. Otherwise, uh, Mitchell Stevens could be a very deep sleeper option as well as Andrew, Alexander Volkov. You want to see who gets... The opportunity to play in the top nine here, because that's a valuable spot on this deep roster, and uh, we can't forget about uh, Patrick Maroon, who might be the lucky rabbit's foot uh, if you're considering depth players who've been on Stanley Cup winners the last couple of years. He's one guy who can say he's won the last two, and I don't think there's a longer long list around him. So keep an eye on his productivity. He might might be considered good injury insurance should should, uh, Palat or Kiloran go down as well. That brings us, AJ, to the end of the analysis of this division. When I look at your picks and mine, there's not a great disparity in, the, in terms of how we figure these divisions. This division to wind up. Why
0: don't you lead us through your picks and your reasoning? Well, one of the most interesting things is, is that we're going to see uh, the two Stanley Cup finalists in the same division this year Um, so we won't be getting any repeat matchups this year that's for sure I mean uh, Paul you're more the historian of the game but I don't think this probably hasn't happened since they moved up to 10 teams in two divisions I mean you're talking about back to the original six when they only had one division did you have the previous year's two Stanley Cup finalists in the same division. I'll, I'll let you ponder that in the future and, and maybe <laughs> dive into it for next week, but uh, I have Tampa coming out number one on, on the back of Vasilevsky. Kucherov's injury is huge, um, but he'll he'll manage. Dallas dealing with their own injury concerns, but I think they'll still get there as well. Um, so I have them as, as one and two. The kind of middle pack of this lineup I, I think depends a lot on Uh, some goalies and so uh, I think Carolina comes out as the number three Columbus as the number four Florida as I said earlier is going to depend on Bobrovsky if he goes back to being a dominant netminder I think they shoot up to number three Um, but for now I have them in a four and and the same goes for Nashville I think if they get the old Pekka Rene uh, maybe they can move up as well. So uh, there, there's some questions there, but ultimately I think I've got Carolina, Columbus, Florida, Nashville as my three, four, five, six. Uh, then I have Detroit as the number seven here. I think they've made some decent additions to the team. I think they will get out of the basement here um, and that spot will fall to Chicago. Now uh, the injuries I think are going to be a little too much. You have too many injuries at one spot. Um, and Doc and Taves—that's uh, going to just hurt their depth too much, and they don't have goaltending at all. So I've got them as as number eight here. Paul, what? Uh, I think you're pretty close to to where we're at here.
1: Yeah, there's there's not much of a disparity. There's a lot of question marks. From one through eight, you can say, in this division, we talked about the cap situation with Tampa, but I still think there's too much quality there to make me pick anybody else than than them to finish first, largely on the strength of that very sound defense and the top goalie in the league and uh, still some big names up front, and I think there's going to find a way to make Johnson a part of that mix. I'll repeat that. Dallas, I like this team's depth, top to bottom, and uh, they might be my first pick if Sagan was healthy, but uh, the fact that they're a little weaker in the middle of the ice than Tampa, I give the nod to the Lightning in terms of a one-two punch. Carolina will close the gap on these two teams and maybe even threaten them from one of those two spots. I think this team is that good. The question mark for me is the goalie tandem here, whether they can deliver the goods and uh, cl- help to close that gap. The onus will be on them to, to be the keys in that element. And uh, I think the same applies to Columbus. What do they get out of their goalies? because i think there's enough quality on their back end and among their top 6 forwards maybe even top 9 and the way they play a rugged style those are my four playoff teams. Florida will be on the outside looking in. I still have a, a lot of questions about their net minding. When a lot of people are putting faith in Pavrovsky I don't know what it's founded on. Uh, it's starting. To, you talk about history. It's been uh, a long time since he's been a top goalie in this league, uh, a couple of years at least. And so, uh, unless he rediscovers that form, that they're on the outside looking in. Nashville is a team that needs to sort a few things out offensively. They do have one of the top core groups in terms of defensemen around the league, but getting having Pecorini at 38 years old, their goaltending is not the strength that it was a few years ago, and so that's another thing that's going to cost them. I flip flop the Hawks and the Red Wings. I think the Red Wings uh, picked off the scrap heap and I, I wonder how much of these guys are going to go back on the scrap heap once their one year is up with the Red Wings. I think they were all placeholders. The youngsters, there's not enough of them making the grade here yet for me to think they're ready to take that next step ahead of the Hawks and I think the Hawks have kind of uh, retooled a bit on the fly when you consider the uh, young offensive pieces that they've added and the fact that they still have some some uh, great leadership on this team including uh, Duncan Keith on defense Uh, they're going to have to do all they can to insulate the goalie situation you mentioned it's a big question mark and I could easily see it's going to be a very close race for the the seventh spot in this division but I'm still giving Chicago the nod here AJ, we got one more week to do. We're looking forward to, to getting through the Eastern Division. It's going to be perhaps the most competitive loop in the, uh, in the NHL when you look at the, the quality of teams there. But have you got any final thoughts about today's episode?
0: No I'm uh, you know we're getting closer to, to hockey there. We uh, got to talk a little bit of draft strategy as well. Um, if you have questions about that or, or any draft strategy, uh, you know, please reach out to us on Twitter because um, we're definitely here to help as much as we can with, with your drafts. It's definitely that time of year with, with hockey right, right around the corner. And uh, that wraps
1: up this episode of PuckCast with Statsman and AJ, folks. roto signature fantasy hockey podcast. Join us next week as we pre- preview the East Division of the NHL. And please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen in to PuckCast to get our tips to stay out of the competition. And don't forget to watch us, if you wish, on YouTube at Rotowire Hockey. So long, everybody.